Thanks for listening to the KC Morning Show. Everything's running smoothly. word what's that good word kansas city hey yippee fry yay to the kc morning hoes you know that fridays fridays always styled by the homies over at charlie hustle kcms 20 that's 20 percent off in store and slash or online i mean that's how you know excellent week of shows if i may say so myself so make sure you rate review and subscribe do that thing you do on the show today we're gonna kick it off with a sports thing bet sided's managing editor benny heist part of the fansided.com network baseball is the back baby and we're getting the full season yeah look at that look at that i love it when a plan comes together right then we meet representative kathy wolf moore she represents the 36th district in the kansas state house talking medicaid expansion and also just really the importance of the midterms that's that's a thing that we have to do kansas city then we wrap with emma o'brien from the communications department with the kansas democrats we're basically just taking a look at the sunflower state that's essentially what we're doing this episode catching up with kansas my name's hartzell a good day to be a kansas city and my friends always conditions ideal kitty's back next week we'll see you in the morning bye to the track no outs to go the royals have won the 1985 world series the kc morning show Sports! Let's do a sports thing. He is the managing editor over at BetSided, part of the FanSided.com network. Before we get going, can I just say this? We do these hits as he's dropping off the boys, and he always leads the conversation by apologizing. Benny Heiss, don't apologize for them boys being badasses. I mean, there's some days where those boys are badasses. There's some days where they're just bad. (laughs) I feel like there is a need to apologize. Now they, they didn't do anything to, to personally impact you other than maybe making you, you know, a handful of minutes too late. But yeah, there's, there's definitely some times where who, especially the oldest one, because now he's got a very, very, uh, what's the right word to describe this? He's, he's an opinionated man. And we, I think it's good to have opinions. I think it's good to have strong opinions. Um, when you're a talk show host, when you're doing a variety of things, when you're getting to the age of almost three, and, and you're trying to run the world, mm, that that makes things a little bit more difficult. Can I say this, Benny Heist? I'm ready yes. for Micah to be my agent. Not 20 years down the line. <laughs> I mean, like right now. Listen, he will come out and he will he will fire it up for you. Like from a he he has he has my genes as a communicator and as a talker. Um, has has some of my wife's genes. Like a, needs to kind of warm up to a situation a little bit, and then he's like fully all in. And he definitely has my athletic abilities i mean my lack of athletic abilities so i think the youngest one i think as he that's gonna he's gonna be more the athlete between the two of them i listen i realized that i wasn't gonna be an athlete despite loving sports so i went down the broadcast sports route you know micah could be that agent like you said maybe he's the guy that that's representing for for some of the uh 
some of the other up-and-coming young Jewish athletes of the world. <laughs> Big entourage vibes from my guy, Micah. I'm trying to figure out who's going to be the Johnny drama of his group. Like, which of his... <laughs> Which of his two-and-a-half-year-old, three-year-old school classmates is going to be the drama, the turtle, the E, Vinny Chase? Like now, now all of a sudden, I have like a new movie in my head, and it's it's glorious. Three-year-old entourage. You know, I could see a young a young Micah or a young Ezzy, You know, maybe leading the negotiations of a future players' association. Hell, what a transition that was. Look at that, Vinny Heist. That's beautiful. Baseball is back, brother. Break it down. It's exciting. I, I think the the part of all this that I feel good about is that the players' union didn't break. Because um, we all knew that that was the goal of the MLB owners, is that they didn't want to make compromises. Um, multiple times when negotiations felt like they were getting close, they tried to put in some last-minute stipulations and say, like, all right, we'll, we'll agree to this, but here's what we actually want to do instead. And the Players Association said, no, that's bullshit. This isn't what we discussed. We're not agreeing to it. Fully aware of what ramifications could come along with this. And this is despite, like, a major blitz from the MLB uh, campaign, not the Players Association, but actual Major League Baseball, of trying to put all the onus on the players for being responsible for the lockout when it was the owners themselves that locked out the players in the first place. So I'm glad that the deal was finally struck. I'm glad that both sides were able to make some concessions, even though I didn't want the Players Association to make a whole lot of them. I thought their demands were fair. But it seems like from this perspective, everybody is going to be better. And what I hope, what I truly hope out of all of this, Harsel, is two things. The first is that we see an actual more competitive balance from ownership to spend money like all these times where you're hearing ownerships and small market businesses cry poor to me is bullshit there's plenty of money there's shared revenue streams from all 30 teams so if the pittsburgh pirates want to go and sign the most coveted free agent possible they have the resources to do it it's just a question of whether they truly want to so i hope this new collective bargaining agreement strengthens, at least from a small market perspective, a willingness to spend money. Because we've seen it, like in Kansas City, in Pittsburgh, in, in some of these markets, when you build a winning team, your fans will come out and show out for them. So go ahead and reward your fans in the process. That's the first thing. The second thing is that I hope Major League Baseball realizes what's at stake, especially with a younger audience. Like the NBA and the NFL are just destroying them right now and despite all the hubris that's involved i think there's also an awareness of we gotta start trying to do things a little bit differently there's more opportunities now in the cba for a lot of these players to work to to better publicize themselves than outside the realm of what baseball is doing like they they need to find a way to connect to younger people to grow and develop the game it's never going to be the same national draw as the nba and the nfl and i think they understand that but you still need to develop that audience. It is critical to your success long-term. And as someone who has grown up loving baseball, I really hope that that's a focus moving forward. One of the reasons why I love talking to you, Benny, especially doing a sports thing, is that it's really a sports and stuff 
thing. You know, you break it down on that micro sports level. But if we pull this thing back to a macro level, this is a win for collective bargaining. A lockout is not yes. just a phrase that you say in sports whenever teams can't come to an agreement with the owners. No, this was a strike and we should frame it as such. This was a worker's strike taking back and controlling owning their labor. You talk about how these rich owners can pay more. You can insert that with any big corporation. You know what? Maybe we're not talking millions of dollars, but what about 15 bucks an hour? Working conditions. This was a win for unionizations. We have to look at this, I think, in a bigger picture, especially in this movement that is really kind of a worker's reckoning, a worker's rights re-reckoning. Everything you said is 100% true. The, the only part that I would maybe slightly disagree is that I wouldn't necessarily frame it as a strike only because it was ownership that locked the players out. The players at no point ever decided to then try to turn it around on the owners and say, well, then we're going to strike. What I do think you're 100% right about is the oh, it's a win for unionization. It's a win for collective bargaining. Like When I was at Sports Illustrated, I was so proud of the opportunity that I had to be a part of our bargaining committee. And even though they didn't reach a deal while I was still there, they ended up doing it several months later. Um, The understanding of challenging that top levels of management and ownership to recognize fairness and to have a sense of dignity in, in treating your workers with pride with, with, with the respect that they deserve, like that absolutely is a win. And I, I know for most people, it's still difficult for them to understand it from a player's perspective. But the way that you describe it, I thought was, was terrific and, and spot on. You have to think about it from a sense of it's not just for these millionaire athletes. It's reflective of society, right? Sports is a microcosm of society. And when you have workers t- trying to take back the power from those upper tier levels of management and ownership, you're going to get a more fair process and you're going to get more people treated fairly in the process. So by the union not caving, knowing that there could be wages lost in the short term, they were able to apply it to a long term perspective. The owners are still going to get rich. And I, and I think there's still an awareness there. Like owning a baseball team is still a very fine investment, no matter what the commissioner tries to tell you, believe that it's, you know, you know, it's not as good as, as having investments in the S and P, which again is ridiculous. Um, so I, I I'm with you there. It definitely felt like a win for the players union. Um, and for owners, maybe it's not necessarily a win from a PR perspective, but I mean, they're smart enough to know that they're going to generate revenue and they're going to be okay. But, there needs to be some willingness to adapt over time. Otherwise, the sport will continue to suffer. Was this go around? Was this a paradigm shift? Because it feels like maybe it might have. You know, in 94, we had the realization that this can happen. You know, yeah, you lost the World Series as a result of it. What do you think this means going forward? Are we going to be doing this every go around? Are they going to lock the chains every couple years? I hope not, because I think the owners had a general sense of why more people I, I maybe i take that back like because owners are living in their bubble anyway and so it's already very difficult for them to understand why they could ever be considered wrong you know they've been told yes so many times especially once they've reached that maximum state of power um but i think if you're the players i, I think having a more proactive approach is essential um and maybe it's the messaging um but i also think like it's then up to them to continue their case like the the players i thought were so good hartzell 
in communicating their message to the fans. Like in years past, it was just, well, these guys are millionaire athletes playing a child's game. They should just take the deal because they're still going to make a ton of money. And that was sort of the end all be all of the argument. But you had players effectively communicating why they wanted to wait for a good deal, why ownership was um, trying to take advantage of a system that they had been taking advantage of for years. Like I, I think about this example, like the Chicago Cubs and their ownership back in June of 2020 said that their losses from the pandemic were of biblical proportions. Like it was a very specific quote. And the reason that it's still being talked about now is because just last week with Roman Abramovich, the, uh, the Russian oligarch uh, selling Chelsea FC in England, like the Ricketts family who owns the Cubs who less than two years ago cried poor and lost the biblical proportions was now had rumored interest of buying the club, which would start anywhere at $3 billion. So you can't have it both ways. And more and more people are aware of this now. And like the messaging is important and there's still really good journalists that can dive into a lot of this information. And the owners know that they got vilified and deservedly so over the course of this process. So I hope that they're a little bit more aware, but, Maybe that's a little bit too too wishful thinking. I I hope that the the, the chains do not come out anymore, and and this is a collective, uh, steady process, so that you're not just trying to find things and fix it post deadline again. They they can't afford to do that. Benny Heiss, big sports weekend. Yeah, what you got going on over at BetSided? We're wrapping up all of the conference tournaments. Uh, selection Sunday for the NCAA men's and women's tournament is on Sunday. Uh, so we're going to have full breakdowns and uh, betting picks available that night. As soon as the odds come out, we're going to go ahead and get you everything that you need to know. Uh, made a video the other day about the trends that you need to be aware of when you're filling out your bracket. So once that gets going, Hartzell, we're going we're gonna to help you win a bracket uh, tournament challenge this year. So I'm excited to talk to you about that. Uh, but also, but before I go, I just want to salute you, my guy. Another amazing opportunity. Oh, heading man. on, joining A10, going to continue to crush it wherever you go. They are a very, very lucky organization that you have brought your talents along. Um, and I know that I worked for the enemy for, for a handful of years <laughs> and still still have some some, some wonderful friends over, uh, over at 610. But I think we can live in a world where we can both coexist. And uh, I know you're going to do amazing things for him because that's what you do. Thank you, man. We get a chance to still do some dope shit in Kansas City, and that's what it's all about. We can all play in that same sandbox. If it if the sandbox is, let's do dope shit in KC. I, you know what? Can we just like put that in and, and have it highlighted in the sandbox? Like, <laughs> this is a Kansas City dope shit sandbox? That is not only our sandbox title, it is our episode title of the day. Benny Heiss, <laughs> my brother, I love you. We'll chat next week, and let's do a bracket show next week. Bracket show it is. Love you too, brother. We'll talk to you soon.
That creed, a creed at the core of every American whose story is not yet written. Yes, we can. The KC Morning Show. On your KC Morning Show, it's Representative Kathy Wolf Moore. She represents the 36th District in the Kansas State House. We got a lot going on on the Kansas side, and we need to check in on our friends from the Sunflower State. Representative, I usually end our conversations this way, but you know, on this snowy Kansas City day, is it a good day for the state of Kansas, my friend? Well, actually, we're off today, so I'm sitting in my home. So (laughs) hopefully it will be a very good day, especially since I'm visiting with you. Fantastic. (laughs) There is so much on the agenda, so much on the plate. The push right now in Kansas, it feels like the momentum is, is on our side to get Medicaid. Let's get this thing expanded. What is the updates in Topeka? Well, actually, it's not as good of news as I would hope. We've been trying to get Medicaid expansion since it's been available and have unable to do that. We've made several valiant attempts, but we've always been stopped. Um, Back in, I believe it was 2017, we got it across the House and the Senate, but it was vetoed by then Governor Brownback. And then in 2019, we got it through the House, 70 to 54, a bipartisan vote. People are very supportive of Medicaid expansion, but we couldn't get through the Senate. We're, we're so lucky we've got a wonderful champion in Governor Laura Kelly in Medicaid expansion. She's made it, I think, if not the top priority, one of the top priorities of her administration, but we can't get it done. Sometimes I feel like we talk about just healthcare in general as the theory of it all. But as you are trying to champion, as Governor Laura Kelly has championed this cause, this effort to expand Medicaid, can we can we talk in practical sense? I mean, you represent a lot of folks who would benefit from this. You got to help read the room for us, Representative. What are you hearing from your folks? I can tell you there was a there's been multiple surveys done, polls done across the state of Kansas and the numbers just keep rising as people understand what Medicaid expansion is. Right now, eight out of 10, a full 75% of people want us to pass Medicaid expansion. And it makes sense, provides affordable health care for 150 hardworking Kansans who either their jobs don't offer them insurance or they can't afford it. I mean, think about it right now. I think for a family of four, if you make over 34,000, you wouldn't be eligible. A family of four making that little money certainly couldn't afford expensive health care benefits. So it just makes sense. Stimulate the economy for rural, urban, and suburban communities. Creates 2,300,000 new jobs. I mean, what's not to like? Hearing all this, and I'm realizing too that, I mean, we're in a midterm year. This window could be closing sooner rather than later. As much as I hate saying that sentence, I feel like the moment has to be now. Yes, it does have to be now because you're exactly right about the midterms. And in addition, the federal government has put additional financial incentives for the 12 states that have yet to pass Medicaid expansion. So 38 have done it. Every state around Kansas has passed Medicaid expansion. So there's an additional incentive And you're exactly right. When midterms come, that incentive could be jerked away from us. So it is really crucial 
that we do this now. And it's crucial for our rural hospitals too. Let's dive into that part. And represented on this show, we call it the Panini. So in the last two years of this Panini that we've been living in, we've seen the importance of our hospitals, especially rural areas. And in situations like these, that entire infrastructure, it's it's currently just not built to handle things like a global pandemic. And we had opportunities and we have opportunities now to help rectify that. Yes? Absolutely, we do. So just to talk about rural hospitals for a moment. So this year, 76 of our 104 Kansas rural hospitals are operating at a financial loss and at risk of closing. We've already lost several rural hospitals. So that's losing 952 healthcare jobs we've lost in the last few years. But more importantly, in Kansas, we're always trying to figure out ways to stop the out-migration from our rural from our rural communities. We've got to strengthen those communities. Well, when you lose your hospital or your health clinic, it's really difficult to attract young families to come there. And it's also equally difficult, if it's not more, to attract any kind of industry or business. Medicaid expansion would be a big part of the answer. Because right now, you walk into a hospital, any hospital, you walk into the emergency room, you might not have insurance, but the hospital, of course, will treat you and has required to treat you. But they're not getting paid for those services. With Medicaid expansion, they would walk in many people with a form of insurance and they would get paid. You can imagine how that would help their bottom line. I've been taking a look, Representative, of some of the the bills that you have been co-sponsoring, raising the minimum wage, eliminating the state food tax, abolishing the death penalty. Again, this championing for Medicaid expansion. In this moment that we are in, when I feel like we get a chance to really recalibrate our priorities and making sure we figure out why we're doing things and who we're doing them for, as a whole, do we have our priorities straight or are we at least trying to get there? You know... I think that in many ways we don't have our priorities straight and it's more about politics than it is about the people. And that would be the only reason not to pass Medicaid expansion. It's political. The politics are getting in the way of it, especially with a gubernatorial election. I mean, Governor Kelly has been such a strong supporter of this. And I fear that if Derek Smith becomes governor, we'll lose all hope to get Medicaid expansion. So I think part of this is not wanting a win for Governor Kelly. And that is just not about the people of Kansas. It's not about the people of Kansas. Apart from all that, why is this something that that you feel like you're called to do in this moment? You're a politician in 2022. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. But, you know, I, I think in the state and in our country, we have such a partisan divide that it gets in the way of good policies. It should be about the people of Kansas and not about a political career. That's just simply what it is. I mean, Medicaid expansion, another point, just it's so frustrating. Why would we not want every citizen to be connected with a primary care doctor? I mean, think about diseases like hypertension, high blood pressure, diabetes, you, you get connect with your primary care doctor, you get um, proper medications, it controls your condition. If you don't do that, you end up in the emergency room with catastrophic com complications. I mean, think about a stroke if your blood pressure is untreated. 
So all of a sudden, here's a family that maybe husband or wife can't go to work any longer because they've had a stroke. I mean, it makes no sense what we're doing. And so I just have to continue the fight and hope, hope that common sense will prevail. You know, maybe these numbers for some folks hearing this in the car, this may be the first time they've heard about this. Maybe they've had private insurance or they've had insurance through through their job or, or maybe they've just been, you know, fortunate enough. They haven't had to deal with some of the stories that you've heard from your folks on the ground who you represent. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. So my question is, where can we go to, to maybe help get involved with the efforts that you're doing? Just maybe steer us if you can. Yeah, there's a couple sources. One thing is the Kansas Hospital Association website. Just Google Kansas Hospital Association. And on that website, there's all kinds of information about Medicaid expansion. The Alliance for Healthy Kansans is another one was created just to promote Medicaid expansion. So um, I would love to people to Google those and learn more and we'll we'll probably up that eight out of 10 Kansans to support it to 10 out of 10, (laughs) but you you cannot know the facts and be against Medicaid expansion. The problem is there's just so many myths and misinformation out there. I think it's almost impossible for a reasonable person to understand this and not before it. And I'll have to tell you elections are coming up this, this fall primary in August, general in November. And I'm really worried about the gubernatorial race because To my knowledge, Derek Schmidt, who's running for governor, has never supported this. So I think the time is now to get this done. Laura Kelly has supported this from day one and even before she was in the governor's office as a senator. So we it's the time is now. We have to do something. Educate yourself about who you've elected and make sure they're on the right side of these issues and pin them down. Representative Kathy Wolf Moore, she represents the 36th district on the Kansas side. My friend, can you please come back on this show and give us some updates? We got to keep fighting to change the world. I sure will. And thank you for doing this. It's another way we can continue to educate people. And thank you so very much. If there's one thing that I found is as true as the sunrise, it's that I like being on there with hot sauce. The KC Morning Show. On your KC Morning Show, we have Emma O'Brien. She is part of the communications department for the Kansas Democrats. If anyone who knows me and listens to this show, they know that I got a default. My default is petty. I love this. I'm not going to lie, Emma. This is a little petty, but the best kind of petty. It is currently the Consumer Protections Week. That's like the actual thing, and that's run by the state attorneys general. Well, Derek Schmidt, the attorney general of the state of Kansas, he ain't so hot on protecting the consumer. So you all have started. This is the Protect Kansans from Derek Schmidt week in conjunction. I love a good parallel, especially a petty one. Emma, explain and welcome to the show. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Hartzell. It's great to be here. Um, as you mentioned, you know, this week is National Consumer Protection Week. It's an effort hosted by the FTC and state's attorneys general across, you know, the country. An opportunity for folks to be educated and help uh, help them avoid some scams. Unfortunately for Kansans, Derek Schmidt is their attorney general, uh, and we know that Derek Schmidt is anything but a consumer advocate. So, yeah, this week in response to National Consumer Protection Week, uh, we decided to launch uh, Protect Kansas 
citizens from Derek Schmidt week in an effort to hold Derek Schmidt accountable for this harmful record that he has. Um, and just to, to educate folks in our own way about how the damage that he's done throughout his career. That's the thing that I think maybe we aren't stressing enough. It's not just that he's indifferent to progress like Medicaid expansion. He he's anti that progress. Exactly. That's exactly right. And I think that's, you know, the big thing here. He has been actively in opposition to Medicaid expansion here in Kansas, dating back from his time in the state legislature all the way now through as attorney general. As a state senator, he opposed Medicaid expansion when it was um, proposed by Governor Sebelius. Um, And as attorney general, you know, both under Sam Brownback and under Governor Kelly, he has opposed Medicaid expansion, fighting health care for 150,000 Kansans and being opposed. You know, it's also about the economy, right? So he is also opposed to creating 23,000 new jobs here in Kansas um, that would, you know, boost, especially our rural communities. You know, he's talking about how he supports rural communities all the time. Well, you can't claim to support our rural communities if you're against the the one thing that would help protect them, which is Medicaid expansion. So every day this week, again, in conjunction with Consumer Protection Week, what were some of those days, Emma, if you can yeah, break that down? Absolutely. I can just, you know, walk, walk you through it. So on Monday, <laughs> Uh, you know, we focused on his history of wasting taxpayer dollars, right? So just like Chris Kobach, you know, he's walking in Kobach's uh, footsteps here. He prolonged a lawsuit that he inherited from, you know, Chris Kobach, a notorious waster of taxpayer dollars. Um, It was, you know, a bogus election lawsuit that actually cost Kansans $2 million uh, in legal and court fees. Um, And even, you know, just a couple weeks ago, a judge ruled um, that a lawsuit being defended by Attorney General Schmidt and Secretary of State Scott Schwab was unconstitutional. Um, and he required the judge required the state, um, aka, you know, Kansas taxpayers pay attorney fees and court costs. So this is just another example of Derek Schmidt basically, you know, uh, taking Kansas taxpayer dollars and flushing them down the toilet. And he's demonstrated time and again that he just does not value, you know, fiscal responsibility and he doesn't value protecting Kansas uh, taxpayer dollars. Meanwhile, Governor Kelly is constantly looking for different ways that she can, you know, put money back in the people of Kansans pockets. So I think that, you know, the the difference couldn't be clearer. And then, you know, moving on to Tuesday. That was just one day. That was just one day, right. So we, we've been busy this week, but um, on Tuesday, we focused on Derek Schmidt um, supporting Sam Brownback's disastrous tax experiment. Um, I'm sure folks remember um, what that was like here in Kansas under Brownback and the damage that that did to our state economy. But that, you know, plunged Kansas into debt and stole, um, he and Brownback stole from the Kansas Highway Fund over $2 billion to fund the tax experiment. So that left you know, money that was needed for our roads and bridges on highway maintenance and making sure that our roads here in Kansas are safe for Kansans to drive on. Um, that stole that money, you know, to, to fund tax experiments for the wealthy um, and well-connected while, you know, the average everyday Kansan was kind of left on the back burners. That was something we really wanted to emphasize and, and remind folks that while Sam Brownback was the architect, Derek Schmidt certainly helped to get the tax experiment into the policies here in Kansas. Here on the Missouri side, I think we're finally starting to see see the importance of these statewide elected offices you know mm-hmm. our attorney general over here he's a clown as well you know as we are preparing for the midterms and you all are doing things like this we're trying to educate but also activate you know it's the call to arms yeah. we gotta inspire folks to want to join us 
end this. You know, we saw Sharice Davids. You know, in response to Representative Davids, now we've got these crazy new maps that they're trying to to draw. So how do we stay encouraged, but also realize that, you know, it's go time, even in spite of all this opposition. You know, we may never see Medicaid if the midterms goes in a certain direction. Any of these things that you're talking about, how do you still keep that fight going? And how do we keep inspiring folks to want mm-hmm. to join us? Right. I think, you know, that's a, that's a really great question. And I think at the end of the day, I'm inspired. You know, you mentioned Representative Davids, but in, and I'm equally as inspired by her. And, you know, Governor Kelly, you know, she came in in 2018 and, you know, folks tried to downplay, you know, a Democrat winning in Kansas, especially at the time, you know, in, in, a, in a post-Trump world. Um, and I think she really um, proved, proved folks wrong. And I think she's going to do, you know, the same thing here. She's been fighting every single day for Kansans. And I think that's something that has stuck with folks across the state, you know, regardless of party, Democrats, Republicans, independents alike, they see her track record and they know that she's actually fighting for them, not for the wealthy and well-connected, not for, you know, the top 1% um, of folks here. She's fighting for everybody and trying to make a difference in their life. You know, you see that in her fight for Medicaid expansion. You see that in her fight for axing the state's food tax. You know, Kansas has um, the second highest food sales tax in the nation. It's at 6.5%. She has been a huge advocate for eliminating that food sales tax, knowing that right now that that extra, you know, cost at the end of the day and at the at grocery store checkout counters across the state, that is hurting folks here in Kansas. And if we could get rid of that, um, why wouldn't we? And so, um, you know, I think I'm inspired by seeing the everyday things that she's doing that will benefit Kansans. We have a real opportunity here. And, and like you said, potentially the last opportunity um, to get Medicaid expansion passed here in Kansas. If Derek Schmidt is governor, I mean, that that idea is as good as gone. Like we are not going to get Medicaid expansion, which, you know, is popular among, you know, over 70% of folks here in Kansas across the board, Democrats, Republicans alike, people want to see this get done. People want to make sure they have health care. They want to make sure their neighbors have health care. Um, and that's just something that's not going to be done under under Derek Schmidt. And if that's something we want to see get done, we not only need to, you know, work together right now, but we need to make sure that Governor Kelly is reelected in 2022. Before we wrap, I want to talk about you for a second, because for a while, I wanted your job. I wanted to work in a comms department. I watched the West Wing at a much too early age in life. Do you enjoy what you do? Do you enjoy coming to work every day? Your job now, it's it's 24-7, but you're doing it for something that is, is bigger than yourself. You know, Graphic design is not just a passion of yours. Also, the power of people is a passion of yours. So why do you do this? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And first, I need to before the fact checkers come, I am not good at graphic design. So let's just put (laughs) that out there. Um, But no, I, I, you know, I appreciate the question. I think it is, you know, I I discovered at a pretty young age that I am someone who's really um, passion driven. And I knew I needed to pick a career um, doing something that, you know, I woke up feeling driven, uh, driven to do and and driven to do the work. And and that's definitely how I feel every day waking up working for the Kansas Democratic Party, working to get folks up and down the, you know, the ballot on the Democratic side reelected. And I think, you know, knowing the stakes, um, as, as we've laid out, you know, both for, for Governor Kelly, for Representative Davids, for for everybody, you know, up and down uh, the ticket here in 2022, I certainly feel driven to get these these really amazing uh, representatives who are doing incredible work for the people 
people of Kansas every single day. I mean, you know, I don't know how you, you wouldn't feel energized by something like that. So, yeah, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. And I just wake up every day knowing that these folks are improving the lives of Kansans, you know, in, in big ways and small. And if I can be a part of that, you know, that's that's a great day for me. Emma O'Brien, she's with the communications department for the Kansas Democrats. My friend, where can folks go to get involved? They want to maybe meet you and, and scheme on how to change the world. <laughs> where can they go? Yeah, absolutely. They can go to the Kansas Democratic Party's website, kansasdems.org. And yeah, you know, consider helping us out, whether you want to volunteer to phone bank or knock doors, you want to make a donation to a representative or to a campaign that you really appreciate. Um, you know, those are all really good ways uh, to get involved. We're always, you know, looking for folks to help out. So, um, you know, there's a ton of resources there to to do so. I'm a nerd for this stuff. I love talking public policy. Also, I got a thing called the 21st Century Economic Bill of Rights that I think would play very well in the state of Kansas. So we should chat some more. Yeah, I would love to. I will come back uh, anytime you want me to come. So that sounds great. Fantastic. Thank you, my friend. Let's go do this. Thank you so much. A boy's born. In heart I Mississippi Surrounded by For walls that ain't so pretty His parents give Him love and affection To keep him strong Moving in the right direction Living just enough Just enough For the city His father works some days for 14 hours And you can bet He barely makes a dollar His mother goes Scrub the floors for many And you best believe She hardly gets a penny Living just enough Just enough For the city
Morning Show.